Introducing the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited 5% back on everything you buy at Walmart online. It's the perfect card for all your family's hints this holiday season. Like 5% back on the air fryer Grandpa told you about when he fell asleep in his chair. He didn't fry anything. Or 5% back on the laptop your sister had carolers sing to you. Two turtle doves and a laptop for Carrie. The Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart online. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One NA. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Midwest Mind Melt. I am your host, Jason, with my second host, Josh. Josh, how are you? Doing good, Jason. Today, we are going to talk to you guys about immigration and why it's so important and why it's such a trending topic right now within the U.S. and the differences between both illegal immigration and immigration itself. All right, Josh, so you want to get started? Absolutely. I mean, immigration is obviously a hot topic right now. It's one that the current president is being criticized left and right about and I just don't think people really understand the <clears throat> importance of immigration and why our policies and how we enforce illegal immigration and natural immigration I mean why it's so important what about what do you think on it so I was reading this past week about uh, a little bit on the history of immigration and before the 1970s, back before, all the way back to the 18, 1800s, uh, immigration was 90% from the European nations. Uh, and when they started uh, legal legislation for immigration, it was kind of interesting because they were having economic uh, issues in certain areas of the new colonies and in these states that had been established. So in, in the 1800s is when they decided they were going to start monitoring immigration. It wasn't until the 1970s that we started getting an influx of um, people crossing the border from Central South America. And so with that, with enforced legislation at that time came obviously the increase in both um, illegal immigration and uh, smuggling. Now getting back to the past, you said in the 1800s we were getting more immigrants from the European front. Now, was the port of entry more New York City? Is that why the population, why the city grew so fast? The biggest, at that time, the biggest uh, port of entry at that point would have been the most popular Ellis Island. But we also had port of entries in Philadelphia and Boston as well. But I believe that part of that, like you said, was part of the reason that New York has such a dense population is because of Ellis Island and how big it was. Makes sense. And, of course, because the port of entry being in New York, Europeans were finding the shortest route of travel from Europe to the United, the United States, and New York to Europe would be the shortest distance, i.e. why the population was so dense. Absolutely. And I think it is important to know to the listeners that um, in modern times, most of the focus is at the southern border, the Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California border between the U.S. and Mexico. And this is uh, <clears throat> where pretty much most of our policy is uh, being enforced. Where people fail to realize, and unfortunately we're, we're, we're moving into a generation that wasn't around during 9-11, ICE in the Department of Homeland Security was developed after 9-11. Now, one might ask, though, what uh, what does 9-11 have to do with the southern border? And that's a good question. I mean, that's, it's, it's a very solid question, actually. The, the importance is, is that we need to really um, 
understand that we need a secure border because it is not past terrorists, even in the Middle East, to use the southern border as a port of entry for themselves. The thing that people need to realize is it's kind of with anything in, in life. If you work hard enough to get it, you'll get it. And having a port of, and having secure borders is just, it's not a matter of, of keeping people out. It's not a matter of of doing that. It's more to control who's coming in and who's going out. If you've ever been to a military installation or a very big company, a Fortune 500 company, before you even enter a building, you got to go through a guard check. You have to be checked in. You have to provide ID. You have to sign in and provide information about yourself. I, I uh, recently, uh, earlier this year, I got to tour uh, ADM headquarters in Decatur, Illinois, and it was kind of an interesting experience because we were only in, or we were only there for maybe two hours. Um, but before we even got into the perimeter of the plant, we had to we had to go through a, sh- a, sh- a shack, a, a guard checkpoint, and they had to enter the van. They they had to see everybody that was in there, match our IDs to who we were, and then once we got into the building, because of the information that they have there, they uh, we had to take our driver's licenses, copy down all of our information, including our addresses, our phone numbers, our full names, before we could even get a visitor pass to tour the plant. And I feel like. If people understood the concept of how easy it is for a, a Fortune 500 company or a military installation to track everybody that comes in, why they can't understand that we're just trying to do that to protect our investment, our country, and our own backyard. Absolutely, because people find that uh, the border to be too invasive. They find the conditions to be too unstable. However, but you're exactly right. Anytime you go into a secure part of the military or even um, in, in a prison, you have to be searched. You have to be, you, you need an ID. You know, they have to know who you are. And that's why it, immigration and enforcing this is very important. Now, do you feel like, since ICE obviously, ICE was established in 2003 when right. the Department of Homeland Security, when they disbanded NI, uh NIS or INS. 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 And then they they basically just created the Department of Homeland Security. Now, when that happened, obviously ICE was established and there were reasons for that. Do you feel that ICE, like the concept of ICE and what they do has been made more prevalent since Trump has been elected rather than in past, uh, past presidential terms where, like, obviously ICE was out there doing that kind of thing, but it wasn't as known I would say during the Obama administration, you didn't hear Jack squat about ICE. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very rare to really even... It was more you would hear about it maybe on a South Park episode or a Family Guy episode. It was never really brought up in the mainstream media like it is now. I mean, now you're getting politicians comparing ICE to the Ku Klux Klan. And uh, so, yes, I would say you are correct that it is definitely more prevalent. Now, caveat onto that, though... Do you feel that ICE should be disbanding? Now, going along with the trend that's trending Facebook as of recently, uh, hashtag uh, abolish ICE. How do you feel about that whole movement, and what do you think the results of that movement are going to be, if there are any? Obviously, anybody who's behind that movement, it's more of a knee-jerk reaction. They don't really know exactly what they're talking about, because if you abolish ICE, you're going to have to abolish the two other entities that were created after INS was dissolved back in 2003 because at the same time that uh, 
ICE was created. You also had the Customs and Border Protection, <coughs> CPB, CBP, as people know it. You also had U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. So, after 9-11, our leaders felt like we needed a stronger approach. And so we created three more entities to what INS does, and it was more focused. So, anybody behind that movement, I would say they don't know exactly what they're dealing with, what they're talking about. Do you feel like a lot of it is just a lack of education? Obviously, most of our political misunderstandings are due to a lack of education and experience. So, I was doing my research this past week on uh, the USCIS.gov, uh, .gov, which is the uh, uh, United States Customs Immigration uh, Service website. U U.S. Citizenship. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people forget to, or just don't understand that, like, CBP was created in 1924 as a way to enforce immigration law, and I feel... I feel like a lot of people just see, like, they see ICE and they see CBP, and realistically, they're kind of the same, they kind of have the same job. Um, CBP, the only difference between CBP and ICE is ICE is more of, like, a task force. They're the ones that are going to go in, they're going to go, you know, arrest these people, whereas, like, CBP is more of, like, your your, your beat cops um, on the border, and I feel like people, they, they, they don't understand the, the, if you compare it... They don't understand the difference. They don't understand the difference, and they don't understand that CBP and ICE are nothing more than detectives and police officers that deal with nothing but immigration. And actually, a good comparison would be CPB is, or CBP, Customs and Border Protection. They are pretty much like correctional officers. They are stuck to one post, which is the borders. And mm -hmm. ICE is more like the police, where they have a lot more free range to move around and actually investigate and go make arrests. Because ICE is dealing with not only immigration, enforcing immigration laws, they are also dealing with uh, international criminals. They are almost like our version of Interpol. It makes a lot of sense. They deal with a lot of human trafficking and human smuggling, of course, but they deal with a lot of that. And uh, Customs and Border Protection, they are pretty much stuck to the border. But both um, people don't understand how both those jobs are very dangerous for those agents. Okay, so let's put it into an, another perspective. If we got rid of ICE and we opened our borders, how much more human, human trafficking do you think would occur in the United States? I would think it would skyrocket. Um, it already seems to be increasing, so if you get rid of all enforcement, I think the natural response from criminals would be that it would uh, skyrocket. There's a lot of money involved. Okay, because I know we talked about that earlier this week, about um, human trafficking becoming a lot more prevalent in the United States, and not even just human trafficking, but kidnapping in general. Right. Now, human trafficking is only one part of that. What about the, the drugs, the drug smuggling, and the, the drug providing for these people that are in the United States that obviously have an issue, and we don't allow it, but how do you think if we if we were to abolish ICE, how do you think that that would affect? Well, it would definitely put a lot more pressure on the DEA. I mean, the DEA works with the FBI, they work with ICE, they work with Border Protection to get leads and get information on uh, making arrests, making busts. I mean, they they estimate that they only 
catch a small percentage of drugs that come through the border. So obviously the problem would increase and I don't think the DEA would be able to handle it alone. Do you think that, that the drug cartels are more privy to to be here in the United States if ICE wasn't a thing? Or if Border Patrol wasn't a thing? I would definitely think they would make more of a presence than they already have. They've obviously had a presence for a long time, mm -hmm. but I definitely think the presence would increase. I feel like, uh, have you seen the movie The Mule with Clint Eastwood? I have not. Oh, yes, I have, actually. Um, so apparently, Based on a true story, yes, right? Yes, based on a true story. Um, and that should give people some, some kind of an indication as to how easy it is for the cartel to just be in your own backyard. And especially with how, with the amount of freedom we have here in the United States, how easy it is for them to assist in the drug problem and the war on drugs without us even knowing it. You know, and I, I want to get back to that point of that movie you brought up, The Mule. I want uh, people to understand that that was based off a true story, and they used the locations, which I believe was um, in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And that should tell you that, you know, most of these cartel problems we have known have gone on in the southern states, especially Texas, the El Paso area. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems like it has definitely moved a lot further north. And that story that the mule was based off of, that took place about 2014. And so I think that's an important thing to really understand is that we, um, we are dealing with it in the Midwest. Well, the Midwest would work as a center. If you, if you, if you look geographically at, the, at a map of the United States, if the cartel can get into, can get into the Midwest. The interstate is the cartel's best friend. Well, and then on top of that, if you can get into the Midwest, it's it's a central hub to the rest of the United States. You can go anywhere at that point. Well, if you can get on I-80, you can go from West Coast to East Coast easily. Exactly. And I feel like people people don't understand exactly how, uh, until you lose somebody to, to the war on drugs, it, it doesn't really, like, affect you. You really don't think about it. Um, we lost a cousin last year to a heroin overdose, and... Uh, it uh, it hits you differently when you when you lose a family member, and we'll 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 discuss the drugs in another in a later episode. But I just feel that if we were to follow this trend of abolishing ICE and letting having free borders, that we would end up going to war with ourselves over drugs and kidnapping and things of that nature. And we should never allow ourselves to be vulnerable in that way as a, as a nation because it would destroy us. Absolutely. I think we deal with enough of that from our natural-born citizens. We really don't need the influence of uh, Mexican cartels or just criminals coming from other southern countries. I mean, we have enough to deal with with our own citizens. So I think you're absolutely right. Abolishing ICE, um, opening up our borders is a big mistake, and I think we don't even have to look very far. We can look to European countries who have done the same. The UK, Sweden, a lot of those Scandinavian countries have done that. Mm -hmm. And their uh, crime rate has skyrocketed, and their media is having a hard time trying to cover that. So we don't need to look very far to understand that open borders is just not a good idea. Well, in, in, in the caveat on that, there was a there was a picture floating around. Uh, we're going to change topics here a little bit. But there was a photo floating around Facebook a couple weeks back, maybe about a month ago. 
of a uh, a father and a daughter that supposedly drowned trying to cross the border. And and this is one of those things I want to put out to the listeners and, and anybody who who really thinks that when you see something on Facebook or on social media, don't always 100% believe that it's true. Because that picture could have been from several years back. And somebody picked it up, threw a headline on it, and all of a sudden it's, it's trending on Facebook because, oh no, a father and a daughter died. I'm not saying that they didn't, so don't don't misconstrue what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just trying to say that... And Josh can probably agree is that if it's on social media, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the exact true story. It's there. There's so many outlets now for fake news. Um, somebody on my Facebook shared a post saying that uh, Trump was being investigated for a child rape case. Um, I'm pretty sure that at that point, uh, the headline was "Why are Why are we not talking about this?" And their their caption was "Yeah, why aren't we?" And I scrolled through the comments because I'm that kind of guy. And and somebody somebody commented because it's fake news. And people need to really, before they go and share articles, look at where you're, where it's coming from. Look, make sure that you double check your your uh, resources. Your resources. Anytime that I see that, like an actor or an actress has died, or a famous person in general has died, the first thing I do is go to Google and I look it up. If I can get it from multiple sources, then then I'm more inclined to believe it. And I feel like enough people aren't doing their own research to to determine whether or not the stuff they're sharing is real or fake and i think that that might be part of the problem as to what we're dealing with but again going back to the whole uh immigration thing there's a lot of how do we say fluffing it up that people put into making making headlines if you can hit somebody in the with emotion or in the feelings uh, easy you're more inclined to have that person understand your quote-unquote cause because you're attacking a certain reaction and getting a certain reaction from them that you're that that allows them to be like, oh yeah, this is messed up, and they immediately go to believing that, even though it might not be true. Absolutely, and that's what the whole border issue has turned into. It has turned into an emotional response, and we have politicians from New York. Not going to name any names at this time, but. They like to turn this into a very emotional, knee-jerk reaction of, oh, the conditions are so horrible that there is no crisis at the border. But if you talk to somebody who is living in El Paso currently and has lived in El Paso for the last few decades, they will tell you there is a problem, there's been a problem, and it is increasing. So it is definitely important to separate emotion from facts that we do have an issue at the border. And I'm just going to say that right now. We do. And it's not my opinion, it's not <clears throat> my belief, it's just we do have an issue at the border that needs to be addressed, and ICE and uh, Border Patrol, they are trying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I'm sure you've heard the phrase at, at, at one point in time, and, I'm, and I've read it, obviously, places, but there, there's a term that, that, that states that, Im, that illegal immigration is not a victimless crime. Absolutely not. And... I feel like a lot of people don't understand why. Um, and part of that, and, and I'm not going to name any names or anything, but um, I know a guy who crossed over illegally when he was really young. And we got over here, they were, he was given a fake social security number. That right there causes a huge victim problem. If you say that illegal immigration is not a victimless crime, or it is a, victim, it is a victimless crime, you need, to, you need to open your eyes a little more because these people come over here. And if they're not working under the table, 
for for cash. They have to pay into taxes somehow. So they obtain an illegal social security number that they claim, excuse me, that they claim is theirs when really it could be somebody else's. Absolutely. And I feel, and I don't feel, but that's part of where identity theft comes into play. And this is why we have the sanctions that we have because people, people's lives literally get turned inside out because somebody wanted to come over here and assume a life that they didn't deserve. There's a port of entry for a reason. And it's huge that people follow the entities. And, the, and and to be honest, we're not the only country that has immigration rules or sanctions to follow. My nephew, uh, he's two years younger than me, married. He went on mission for his church, met an Italian girl. And she was from Italy, full-blown Italian, spoke Italian and everything else. And he moved over there and married her. But it took him eight months to get it to gain citizen to gain citizenship, and in order for him to gain citizenship, he had to learn their language, he had to be able to speak their language fluently, and he had to be on a visa for for six months and have no no interactions with the police or any bad marks on his record before he can even apply for citizenship. And I feel like like what the what the U.S. asks requiring citizenship is not is not that much. I understand it's a lot of money and it takes time, but there's a reason for that because we want to be sure that we're not letting terrorists or drug cartel members or wanted fugitives from South America or North America or not North America, Central America, excuse me. We don't want those people in our country because just you think that just because they come to the United States that they're going to change? No, it doesn't work like that. They're, they're going to come over here and they're going to continue their ways because that's who they are. And that's why we, we have the sanctions we have, is it not? Absolutely. And that's another important issue is that um, people who have immigrated into the United States and have done it legally, they have spent, um, it's, it's about five grand over the course of what they're going to spend to um, become a citizen. And they've had to wait in line. They have had to fill out endless paperwork. They have had to work jobs and learn the language if they didn't already know it. And so a lot of them are very sour against illegal immigrants. And a lot of them are all for the wall. Why should a caravan of immigrants from South and Central America be able just to walk over the border and... um, start getting health care and benefits and jobs when they had to stand in line when they had to pay all that money so um, people who have immigrated to the United States legally are definitely more on the side of Trump than uh, what the politicians would have you believe would you feel like it if you if you immigrated to a country Ill- legally and you knew that people were doing it illegally and getting better benefits than you, wouldn't that feel kind of like a slap in the face? Absolutely. I would probably have the mindset of, why would I put myself through this if I can just do this illegally? So, are are you familiar, oh, ah, familiar excuse me, with the uh, Bracero Act? Uh, no. I okay, don't so, know that act at all. So, going a little bit back in time, and this kind of moves into, I think, why uh, we are where we are and why we stand on Ill- illegal immigration, but the Bracero Act was created during World War II. And what it was is we brought immigrants from Central America and South America into the United States to as agricultural workers to farm the fields for the people, the farmers that went overseas to fight in the war. And, and 
this was the U.S.'s way of still providing the agricultural needs that, that the country needed at the time while we were in such a huge war situation. I feel, Do you feel that if we were to instill something similar to, like, similar to that today, do you, what kind of turnout do you think that that would have for the country and immigration in itself? So this would have been during World War II, you said? Yes. You know, honestly, I don't know because that was a different time where these issues weren't so prevalent. I don't know how much turnout we would have for that, honestly. Well, pre-World War II, immigration was more about economic stability in the United States than it was anything else. Uh, After World War II is when it became more of, obviously Pearl Harbor was a huge part of that, um, is when it became more about national security and controlling and protecting our, our nation as a whole rather than uh, worrying about the money situation as much and I feel that was probably one of the biggest turning events for immigration in as a whole because when you really look at it our national security and the things that like people don't understand how vulnerable we still are as a nation um, there's still a lot of undocumented people coming into the United States and people get away with it we we only catch probably about 30% of what actually comes into the US and people need to understand it's not so much who's coming in but what they're bringing with them. Now, going back a little bit further, uh, the 1920s were known for what big event? 1920s were known for uh, Prohibition. Exactly. And for those people listening that that either haven't taken history or... Have no idea what Prohibition is. Exactly. Have no (laughs) idea what Prohibition is or was. Prohibition was the illegalization of all alcohol in the United States. As you know... Italy is the wine capital of the world, and obviously we have imported alcohol. Um, Captain Morgan Rum is made in the Virgin Islands, uh, so is uh, Cruzan Rum. Uh, Bacardi is, is a Puerto Rican rum. It's not made in Puerto Rico, which is kind of weird, but um, part of part of immigration enforcement, i.e. Border Patrol, was invented in the 1920s or created in the 1920s because they needed to enforce those laws against prohibition because they they needed to know not just what was coming in but who was bringing it in because if they were if people were smuggling alcohol in the United States what else are they smuggling you know what else are they going to try to smuggle and at that point that was probably why CBP was created in the first place was because we had these people Obviously, stuff wasn't monitored as heavy back then because they didn't have the the workforce. They didn't have the technology. They didn't have everything we have today. And the relevance of what was what was coming in isn't anywhere near what was coming in today. People people want us to save and accept refugees and and give give people asylum. And I'm I'm all for that. I have nothing against helping people out. But let me turn your focus to something else. Before you go preaching for another country, why don't you take a look at our foster care system? Why don't you take a minute and look at how many people, how many kids in the United States grow up without parents because of the same reasons? And there's so many people that want to advocate for other countries and, oh, the conditions are terrible, oh, this and that. Mm-hmm. Have you been to a really, really bad foster home? The conditions aren't much better. Nope. Not only that... When it comes when it comes to looking at other countries to help, we have so many issues in our own country that we need. I feel like we need to move our focus from 
singling out immigration and customs and ICE and, and CBP and move into let's start doing let's start making a change in our country first. Let's let's start trying to help the people that live here that are eventually gonna be those those job holders, those taxpayers, those politicians, those teachers. Why don't we try and help them first and help them achieve some form of greatness in their eyes? What would be greatness in their eyes? Before we go off wasting our resources on other people, other countries. I get it what I get that they're trying to flee violence and, and religious prosecution and things like that. But that's not our fault that their customs were built that way. And we shouldn't have to take responsibility for that. Yes, we could help them. But why, but why would we waste our resources on people we don't even know? Well, and to add to that, what good are we going to be to them or the future them if we don't have a country anymore that is stable? I mean, what good are we going to be to them if they're trying to escape violence but we have just, you know, cities that are just full of violent criminals, homegrown, and illegal immigrants or <clears throat> whatnot. So you're absolutely right. Um, you do need to take care of your own backyard before you start virtue signaling for other countries. Did you see the article, oh, it's probably close to about two months ago, from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, about the father that uh, had shot and killed his wife and then turned around and killed himself right after that with their three kids sitting in the next room? I don't remember that now. Um... I only know because I knew I knew a police officer that responded to that scene. And stuff like that doesn't make it into national headlines. So people don't really know what's actually going on in their own cities. How many shootings are there in Omaha a week? Who knows? How Honestly. many shootings are there in Chicago, Detroit, Miami? People don't people don't they only see what's trending on Facebook because it gets the most reactions out of the most people. And that's where social media tends to become our worst enemy. Exactly. And, and we'll discuss the the pros and cons of social media in another episode. Because, I mean, we could go on for days about that. But Absolutely. And that, that's a great point. People don't understand what's going on in their own backyard. Um, we have a lot of homegrown criminals that we need to deal with that will take all of our energy from our law enforcement and good citizens to help keep a cap on and that's a problem that will never go away so just to add on a bunch of uh, people from other countries whether they're good or bad people is uh, just a poor it's, it's a poor idea it's poor leadership that would even propose this well and that's and that's and that's a huge part of that too as well as is the fact that we have so many so many politicians out there that want to advocate for other people and and instead of fixing trying to fix and, and create a better better life or a better way of living here in the United States they want to go and advocate for other countries and other refugees and, and, and asylees that that necessarily don't that don't necessarily need it and I understand that it's that, that yeah they're, they're escaping so much again but do a little bit of research and find out what the crime rate is in your hometown. Find out, unfortunately, the town that we live in is uh, huge on drugs. Um, meth more than anything else. Uh, especially where, where we live. Yeah, especially where we live. And uh, people don't I, don't, I don't think people know exactly what's going on in their hometowns. You know, because, I mean, what's the first thing I do when I wake up? Check my phone. Scroll through Facebook, scroll through Instagram, whatever. And then, you know, I get up, I start my day. And... I've come to in the in the recent weeks 
uh, before starting a podcast that I need to purge myself a little more of that because I feel I feel like for me the things that I see on Facebook or the things that I see on social media set my mood for the day and I just I, I go I go back to the days when we didn't have information at the ready man my my first cell phone was had a black and white screen it was a Nokia you could throw it at a wall and put a hole through the wall and you'd still be able to pick up and call somebody you know and and I feel like like our generation is actually the worst about it like because we we grew up seeing this transition in technology and we're the first people to to go straight to our phones for everything which it's great to have information at the ready but again it comes back to doing your research and making sure that your information is valid right but i i I can't say this i haven't seen a whole lot of uh in the in the recent days uh a whole lot of immigration talk on social media which kind of makes me happy um i wish we'd move away from it as a country and focus on something a little more prevalent um a little more important at this point um i have a feeling it's going to come up a lot next year with the election coming up but i feel like like there's enough education out there and, and and i'll throw this out there me and josh are not professionals all we did was we did some research online uh through accredited websites and that's how easy it is education is not hard self-education isn't hard you know and i just want you know to put this out to the listeners just do your research you know um josh when when you were working when you were working in uh when you were working in corrections um did you have anybody in there that got caught smuggling whether it be drugs or human or uh illegals absolutely um we had a couple of guys who were illegals who after they were done serving their time were going to be deported back to uh mexico so yeah we did come across that every now and then and that just amazed me of uh, how in nebraska we would house illegal immigrants in our prison system and then just to deport them when their sentence was over so they're absorbing taxpayer dollars and so they're basically living here three meals a day a roof over their heads a bunk to sleep in absorbing our taxpayer dollars just to turn around and go home afterwards exactly and it's just it's it's kind of funny to say but it's like we need to kind of <laughs> deal with our own criminals it's almost unfair to our criminals that they have to share the same housing as an illegal immigrant <laughs> so to speak i mean our our prisons are designed for our criminals our homegrown criminals whether they be legal immigrants or us born citizens but yeah it just it blew my mind that it was done this way. It just seems very unorganized and very... <laughs> it just seems like it's bending the law quite a bit. So going back to that, like, non... You know, how uh, how illegal immigration can be a victim, how, how, it can't, how it cannot be a victimless crime. I mean, you got, you got illeg- undocumented citizens or undocumented people absorbing tax dollars and absorbing a spot for, a, you know, or taking up a spot, I should say, in, in, in our prison system. That could be used for somebody else or could be used for a criminal that's out there killing people or something of that nature. Absolutely. And so is it is, is illegal immigration a victimless crime? No, it's not. It affects every single one of us. And I think that that's, it, that, that, that's kind of the biggest topic right now. Um, I'm sure you saw the video with uh, AOC and Mr. Hoonan where they were talking about family separation. And this is a, this is a topic I really wanted to cover as well. Um, family separation. I feel like 
so family separation in itself is one of those situations where it happens so frequently that people I feel like people turn a blind eye to it and it's crazy so I was watching live PD last night I love live PD if you don't watch live PD you need to watch live PD anyways uh, in Oklahoma a state trooper pulled over a car the the mother the, the they had a two-year-old kid in the back seat and the two-year-old was laying down in the back seat not buckled in and both the father the father was driving the mother was on some drugs and drunker than probably me on a typical Friday night but the father was drunk too and they were driving doing 80 miles an hour down the interstate and let me and when the trooper pulled them over excuse me they both got arrested and guess what happened to the kid CPS came and took the kid so family separation isn't just something that happens to illegal immigrants when they bring kids over it's something that happens every single day in the United States of America and because it's not an immigrant it gets a blind eye absolutely what what do you feel we we as a nation could do to bring more awareness to what's actually going on i.e. with family separation in the United States well, I tell you one experiment that we could do, but they would never do, and that would be to, in our own prison system, um, we should just put families together. So in the male facility, we'll say Tecumseh State Correctional Institution down in Tecumseh, Nebraska, we will have all those guys, girlfriends, wives, and kids go live with them in the prison, and um, we'll we'll check in a year later and see how things went. I mean, <laughs> it's just absurd to me to think that if somebody's arrested at the border, people expect that the kids need to stay with the parents and that's somehow a good idea because they're, they're just thinking about kids with their parents. They're not thinking about all the child molesters or all the other criminals that come along mm -hmm. being in the same vicinity as these people. Oh, well, the parents will fight off those child molesters. You know, not if there's ten of them. It's just, it's not a good idea in a homeless shelter, it's not a good idea in a prison, and it's not a good idea in an ICE detention center. So, coming back to that, wasn't there a show on Netflix? It was, if I recall, it was called Born Behind Bars, where yes, I believe females would have their kids in prison with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I've never watched it. It's not something that piques my interest at all. Um, I might watch it for research purposes, but um, I 100% agree. You can't, but we need to look at, and I, I didn't do any research on this, unfortunately, for myself, but what happens to those illegal those those illegal kids that come across the border and get separated they are taken care of whether and let me tell you their their con their conditions aren't that bad they i mean they could be better yes but have you been to a um a fob overseas for the military it's not much different it's not much any anywhere when our military goes to war the conditions that they live in are far worse than what our illegal immigrants are getting in a detention camp and it's hard to believe, but it's true. And you can talk to any any veteran that's been overseas and ask them the questions of what their living conditions are like. And it's terrible. And that's one of those things where, where we need to work on helping ourselves before we work on helping others. Because I don't feel like somebody who doesn't pay taxes or somebody who doesn't even live here, they shouldn't get special treatment for anything at all. How do you feel about that? Well, I find it um, a little outrageous that people are advocating that these uh, illegal immigrants in these ICE detention centers are not getting basic human um, hygienic needs. And I find that absurd, and I find that to be uh, very 
ignorant statement because that's not true. They are getting basic hygienic needs. Just because we're not providing them with a Gucci perfume and cologne does not mean they're not getting basic hygienic needs. But yes, if you want to check out um, Cruel conditions go check out a refugee camp in cambodia or go check out a refugee Mm -hmm. camp in the philippines i mean so don't sit here and preach to me that we are just being so inhumane could things be better sure but things aren't even better for our natural born citizens or like you said our armed forces um they don't live in the best conditions either at all times so we're doing the best we can and i think we're doing pretty damn good as a country i i 100% 100% concur with that. Now let's talk about the diseases and things like that that uh, that these guys are bringing into the country. Like, there's diseases that these guys are, are bringing in that we... And I don't say guys, immigrants. Let me rephrase that. Right. Um, that they're bringing in to our country that we haven't seen in years. Oh, um, even some of the basic ones, like measles. I mean, things... Uh, uh, chicken pox, things that we have um, been treating in our kids for uh, decades now. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, I agree. But yeah, they're also bringing in some more serious diseases as well. And that is a big problem. But uh, When you look at, throughout history, introducing a population to diseases that um, they are not used to um, has destroyed civilizations, has destroyed people. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what the Spanish did to the to the Aztecs, the Mayans. I mean, look what they did to them, uh, bringing over their diseases. Mm-hmm. It's... And and that's why and we're not going to get into the concept of uh, unvaccinated children, because that could go for a very, very long, long discussion. But that's why it's so important that we do the things we do. Yes, detention camps are terrible, but you're putting people in the same area that have the same... And I'm not saying they have diseases... But there's a possibility they could be bringing them over. So in the state of Nebraska, uh, there's certain things like okay, so we're we're gonna we're gonna switch switch topics here for a second as I explain this. So I didn't know this, so I went fishing with a buddy. But there's certain lakes in Nebraska that you have to be checked and searched before you leave because it, if you have a boat, mind you, because there's certain things that one lake might have that another lake doesn't. And if you go put your boat in that lake and you transfer those spores or that uh, plant life or or anything like that, you go and transfer that stuff over, it could literally take over a lake. And they actually drained one lake in Nebraska because it was so overgrown with um, a, a fungus that nothing could survive in that lake anymore because the habitat wasn't, wasn't prepared for that. It didn't have the necessary, uh, not what, what the equivalent to antibodies would be. To fight off such a fungus or an infection and a lot of these a lot of these diseases that are coming across with these immigrants we we don't have the capability to fight all of that we do but we don't and for something as as you guys have known if you've ever had the flu flu strains evolve they become more more uh, harsh and they in and, and they, they they react to you differently in the in at the same time, diseases, the measles, the mumps, that kind of stuff, can do the same kind of thing. So we might be prepared for it. We might have been vaccinated in our past as 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 children to provide you know to prevent measles, fight that kind of stuff. But if there's a new strain out there that we haven't been in that we haven't been vaccinated for, it'd be like the Spanish plague all over again. Absolutely, and that's another thing to talk about. Um, 
our, our healthcare system, I mean, just uh, the medical field in general is, is overwhelmed as it is. And so if an outbreak occurs, uh, just imagine how overwhelmed our hospitals and doctor's offices will be. It, it'll People don't think that that stuff can happen in the U.S., but believe me, it can. We've had false flags in the past, you know, mad mm-hmm. cow disease. Ebola. The, yeah, the swine flu. I mean, we lived through all of that. But mm-hmm. believe me, an outbreak can occur in 2019. If you, uh... There's a really good movie about this, actually. It's called Outbreak, uh, which, if you haven't seen it, it's basically that story in itself. Um, it ex- it, it kind of shows what the repercussions would be if uh, stars uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is actually who's in it. Um, <laughs> no, I gotta see it. And uh, basically, uh, a virus, of a, a huge new strain of smallpox, if I remember correctly, uh, travels its way from Africa or uh, Uganda or something in there. Um, and it makes its way to the U.S., and the U.S. can't combat it because we've never seen this strain before. And so while they're trying to find a cure, people are dying. And people fail to realize that that's a real, that, that, that's a real thing. And not only is it a, a risk here, but it's a risk anywhere. That's why, that's why when, uh, if you've ever donated blood, if you've ever traveled outside of the U.S., you can't donate blood for a year. Um, when I went to the Virgin Islands, uh... We actually, had, when we got back, we had to get tested for Zika virus, because Zika was very prominent down there after the hurricane, and uh, so it's it's more prevalent and more uh, can't think of the word. Uh, it's more prevalent and more uh, presented, I guess, than we think it is, and it's there, and and people don't realize it. You know, they don't realize the risks of just letting people in. You know, and I think I think when we talk about diseases, people corner more on like like um stds or lyme disease or you know the, the stuff that we hear about all the time they don't think about the stuff that we don't hear about because it's it doesn't exist here because we have the medical technology to prevent it and that's why it's so huge that we uh that we keep trying to keep these things out of our country as much as possible because i don't want to see the day that that comes and we can't fight it absolutely and you know i think a lot of this attitude about uh, outbreaks or even just about illegal immigrants you know a lot of it has come to the fact that we we've lived very comfortably for the last few decades it seems like um and so people don't think this stuff's possible because we've never had to deal with it i mean i've never had to deal with it i just have one of those minds where i think um where i def i know i know it can happen just because i've uh I'm, I love to read about history, and history is flooded with outbreaks. And uh, it, even though we have a better fighting uh, system today in our medical field, that does not mean that we are a hundred percent safe. Well, it's like a, it's like like that common phrase: history repeats itself. And there will be another outbreak at some point. And I think the last big one was the Ebola virus back in a couple years ago or so. Yeah, I want to say it was back in like fourteen. 13 or 14? Uh, I want to say 15 or 16, but could have been, yeah, 14. Um, and it's just kind of crazy to think that that we kind of just brush this stuff off like it doesn't even exist anymore. And and that's how this stuff gets brought into the country. Like, you don't think about it, but... And it's not even people. It's food. Diseases can come in on food. But a lot of these people that are crossing the border illegally, and, and I know this because I have family that work for CBP, a lot of these guys, when they a lot of these immigrants, when they get over here, they're 
they're sick and i and i i give them the utmost applause for braving the desert in 100 degree weather i grew up in arizona and i know what it's like um and yes there are hundreds of people and immigrants that die every year trying to cross the border to get over here and i do feel bad for those people trust me it's not that i don't i do have a heart but if you're is it really worth it to risk you and your family's lives with the chance of dying just to come over here get caught and go back right or would it be worth it even if it's not in your lifetime but if you could start the process to bring your family over so that maybe in their lifetime their children your grandchildren could come over and i feel like part of hope part of me hoping when trump got elected was that he was going to make the path to citizenship a little easier um even if you come over here on a visa it is still really hard to to gain citizenship because so i think you have to hold a visa for five years no take that back it has to be a green card it can't even be a visa so you have to have a green card for five years before you can even apply for citizenship. And within that five years, you can't have any kind of negative run-ins with law enforcement or be on probation, obviously, anything of, the, anything of that nature. And, or you have to wait another five years. You have to go five years of clean living, so to speak, right? before you can even apply for citizenship. So is it really like, yes, the process is hard, but do you feel like... so? Back when, when immigration became, when it was so heavily, uh, that's when uh, immigration created uh, a number of visas to come over to the United States. Like, so many, so every every country gets a visa. So many so many visas a year to to give to, to, to people that want to immigrate to the U.S. Would you, how would you feel if we as a country voted and said, hey, why don't we increase the number of visas for said countries? Not all of them. But if we look at our censuses for the last five years, find out where 90% of our immigrants are coming from, and we just increase the amount of visas that people could get, what do you, what kind of reper- rep- repercussions do you think that would cause? Or do you think that that might actually be a, a solution to our illegal immigration problem? I th- honestly think it would be a solution because the people that are applying for visas and getting visas, I believe most of them... I don't, I'm not even going to try and throw out a percentage, but I would believe most of them are not criminals, and they're doing it the right way. If you give people the chance to do things the right way, then you can really weed out the criminals from the ones who uh, really do want to be here and be good citizens. So I'm all for making uh, making the transition to becoming a U.S. citizen easier and more accessible, but I do believe it needs to be strictly enforced and strictly watched. So if so if we were to increase the amount of visas per year that people could could use to come over here, do you feel like that would free up resources for both CBP and ICE to better enforce the borders and the laws based on or not based on but enforce to f- help fight off the illegal uh, criminals that are coming over here, i.e. the drug cartels and those people that are wanted for murder in Mexico or or South America. Um, do you feel like if we didn't have so many innocent people trying to come over here illegally that that we could better utilize our resources to help prevent those that we don't want? I, I think that goes without saying, absolutely. Because um, what the criminals and what the people, the, <laughs> the people who are wanted in Mexico trying to come over illegally are hoping for is that they can be uh, herded in as in a large number of people and hide behind their numbers. So if they don't have the numbers of... Uh, 
the innocent people that are trying to cross over illegally, then yes, I believe they will be singled out, and I believe that they will be caught. I mean, so between that and the wall, I believe it would uh, definitely give uh, Border Patrol more resources and more... It would make their job more effective. Have you, uh, so you, so you lived in New Mexico for a little while, correct? Absolutely. Born in Albuquerque. Oof. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, have you, have you actually seen, uh, Border Patrol pull people out of a vehicle before? I have, uh, in, in Albuquerque, I've never seen Border Patrol, but I have, uh, dealt with, uh, ICE agent, um, ICE agents before working here in the prison system, and I have seen them make arrests in Albuquerque, so. Okay, so, uh, one of the biggest, one of the most interesting things you'll ever see, and it's sad, but it's interesting, is how many illegal immigrants they can fit into one car. You know, you know those old cartoons when you'd see, like, ten clowns get into this tiny car? Yeah. It is 100% just like that. Absolutely, that's where all the, uh... Hispanic jokes come from and uh, <laughs> and I know people um, I know people in my past um, unfortunately they're long gone now but um, who back in back in the early 90s used to transport illegals uh, after they were already across the border but they were paying at that time paying 5,000 a head just to go from uh, southern Arizona to Phoenix because once you get to Phoenix it's pretty pretty much you're, you're pretty much good there yep but um and this is you know back in back in the day back in the early 90s and um when it kind of when you think about it in terms of like that it's almost crazy to think that uh that people today are still trying to accomplish that same not mission but that same goal and the thing is is these is these hispanic people and here's the thing here's what blows my mind about this whole thing so these hispanic people are coming over here offering two three thousand dollars to get transported to phoenix what kind of illegal immigrant is coming over here with two or three thousand dollars in their pocket mm-hmm. that can't apply for a visa? Well, and and that just brings up the point of you know you will spend probably less money becoming a, a legal citizen than you will to be transported from city to city as an illegal immigrant. Well, I I, I go to think about so people people say that they that that they come to America or the United States to live the American dream. Well, if you're constantly on the run or looking over your shoulder, how can you enjoy what is known as the American dream? Like, I, I agree. I just, I, I don't understand, like, like, I know if I was constantly on the run, I'd never be able to sleep. I would never be able to do anything. I'd be, I'd be paranoid every time I went out in public because of that. And so, like, what goal are they trying to accomplish by saying, we're going to, we're going to move to the United States and live the American dream when they can't get a real job, where they can't go to school, they can't better themselves, um... And that's that's kind of the part that I'm the, the the piece I'm trying to get at is these people I I'm all for them coming over here and bettering themselves a hundred percent everybody should have that opportunity in their lives but we as a country need to instead of fighting to abolish the people that are upholding our immigration laws we need to petition so to speak to create better legislation and better better uh, processes for these people to come over here I just I feel like like immigration is going to be such a huge huge topic coming into the next couple couple years with the wall and everything that's going on with it and the wall has been successful with the 60 miles that they had built mm-hmm. has been a hundred percent successful and it's that's decreased work. the amount of traffic substantially will it ever stop no but we can help control it it's kind of like so for instance back when uh, nebraska flooded back in march right right so 
when we when we knew about it, yes, part of the town flooded. There was nothing we could do. We didn't have the time to prevent that. But when they were putting sandbags along two seven uh, two fifty seven two seventy five two seventy five two seventy five old two seventy five, it helped divert that water from coming into the coming into the rest of the town. Right. And so people when people need like we need to put it into a perspective that people can understand that the wall is not to keep necessarily to keep people out but it's to control what's coming in Absolutely. and that's exactly what they did with with the sandbags was they controlled how much water was going to actually get through at this point and and i feel like just because it's a wall people are oh it's the wall well yeah i mean you put a fence around your yard you put walls around the stuff you own in your house yeah i mean is it really any different you're protecting your stuff right absolutely all we want to do is protect those people that that are here and, and our investments as 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 individuals you know and and we we can get on we, we can talk about the wall in another episode but um i feel like it's going to help the wall in itself is going to help immigration overall because we're going to be able to help and control the people that are coming in and they're going to have to go through the port of entry if they want to come over here i agree and that better protects those people that truly want to come over here um, and have a better life, you know, it will, uh, because, you know who's the most pissed about the wall? It's cartels. Uh, people, what just makes me kind of chuckle is that people who are opposed to the wall and opposed to Trump have this attitude that they put out of, well, it's not going to stop all illegal immigration, so why even bother? It's just a waste of money, and it's like, well, law enforcement doesn't stop all crimes, and one could argue it doesn't even stop most crimes, so why would we even bother with police? Um, so it's just, I don't understand those people that are like, well, um, we're just going to throw our hands up and be like, well, we don't need a wall because we can't stop all Im- immigration, all illegal immigration. And it's just, that just blows my mind. The wall will work. The wall, walls work. Ask uh, ask Israel mm-hmm. how it works. Um yeah, the walls work, and so I think it is a great investment. It's one of the best investments this country has made in a long time, in my opinion. And uh, by the way, listeners, Trump did get approved for $2.5 million that he can take out of defense funds to build the wall. And honestly, I couldn't be more impressed because that's what a defense fund is for. Well, and on top of that right now, our military is a peacetime military. We're not at war. Are we in, are we in conflict Always. Yes, always. there will always be in conflict, especially <laughs> when it comes to the Middle East. But right now would be the best time to, if you've ever played any kind of like uh, RTS game, real-time strategy game, Age of Empires, anything like that, where you actually have to build walls around your city, like when you're not at war, you're not being attacked, that's the time you fortify your home. That's what's going to make us, because our, our southern border is so huge that if we really want it, that if if people really wanted to gain access to the United States in a sense of we're coming over here to destroy you, they could do it. They could 100% do it. The coast is a little bit harder because the ocean is so big. You can, you can literally get in a helicopter and see how many boats are coming in. And so it's a little bit easier. And that's why we have the coast guard. But the, when it comes to the Southern border, there's so many routes that you can take to get into the U S because of the fact that you're walking, you can walk through the, you can drive, there's a video of a rancher. Um, I don't know if he's in New Mexico or Arizona, but he walks up to a road that mm-hmm. that literally that goes from the United States. It's a dirt road out in the middle of nowhere, and the only thing that is blocking this road is a giant stick laying across the road. Yeah, 
It's that easy. And people, and, and, and the thing that I'm trying to get out to these listeners is if you've never been around it, where in the middle of the night you can walk outside and you can hear illegals communicating as they're walking through your backyard. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the night, if you've never had a helicopter circling above your house with a spotlight because they're looking for somebody, because they know they're out there. You know how scary that is? You know how many times that happened to me as a kid? And I would literally sit in my room awake and just peeking through the blinds, afraid I'm going to see somebody standing in my front yard. And that's, and, and I'm not, no shitting you, dude. That, i scared 100% of the time. It's okay. like, it, 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 it's really, really scary. And it can, and I'm not going to say it can scar you for life because that's not what I want to say. But when you experience things like that, it really changes your perspective on security wise. Like, am I, like, like illegals, how, how, now, in the Midwest is a little different because all the land is owned. And when you start getting into like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, there's a lot of government-owned land or state-owned land that's just free. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not free, but you can you can tra- traverse it. Yep. There's nobody that's out there like patrolling that stuff. I mean, CBP does, but realistically, CBP isn't that big. They're just a small portion of what we have. And they're, they're just a, a small entity that helps protect our borders. And um. The thing is, is, is it's so easy, and and it's really weird. You can sit out back with night vision goggles at night and just see people walking across your yard, and it's it's definitely an eye opener. If if you've never experienced it, I hope you never do. But you need to understand that it would be it would be the same as if you're like sitting in your backyard, hanging out, and some criminals running from the cops and jumps in your backyard and just runs into your house to hide, like. Like we like we like we forget as as people as citizens how vulnerable we are in our own backyards mm-hmm. because we we have undocumented people or we have criminals and like Josh pointed out earlier like cops don't stop a hundred percent of crime so there could have been a guy that got away from the cops um, and all of a sudden he's in your backyard and he tells you if if you don't hide him in your house he's gonna shoot you there's people out there that are like that. I've never experienced it. I hope to never experience it. And I hope nobody that listens to this podcast is going to ever experience that. But it does happen. And it happens a lot. Well, Josh, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no, um, not at this time. I think we covered some good ground today. Um, but uh, I definitely do encourage listeners to research more into um, border towns and definitely look at the crime rate. And um, definitely do some more research into immigration as a whole, particularly at the southern border. Well, I appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in today, and uh, hope you guys uh, stick around for the next episode. Maybe we'll we'll uh, cover whether it be uh, the war on drugs or uh, politicians in general. It'll be a good one. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Later. How do we control money? Highlighters. Every Sunday, we go over all our statements and we highlight the hot spots. And that's how we came up with intelligent text alerts that help watch over your money. Our customers give us the best ideas. Huntington, welcome. Message and data rates may apply. Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions.